The reading is taken from Genesis chapter 5, beginning in verse 1, which can be found on page 7 of the Pew Bibles. This is the written account of Adam's line. When God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. He created them, male and female, and blessed them. And when they were created, he called them man. When Adam had lived 130 years, he had a son in his own likeness, in his own image, and he named him Seth. After Seth was born, Adam lived 800 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Adam lived 930 years, and then he died. When Seth had lived 105 years, he became the father of Enosh. And after he became the father of Enosh, Seth lived 807 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Seth lived 912 years, and then he died. When Enosh had lived 90 years, he became the father of Kenan. And after he became the father of Kenan, Enosh lived 815 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enosh lived 905 years, and then he died. When Kenan had lived 70 years, he became the father of Mahalalel. And after he became the father of Mahalalel, Kenan lived 840 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Kenan lived 910 years, and then he died. When Mahalalel had lived 65 years, he became the father of Jared. And after he became the father of Jared, Mahalalel lived 830 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Mahalalel lived 895 years, and then he died. When Jared had lived 162 years, he became the father of Enoch. After he became the father of Enoch, Jared lived 800 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Jared lived 962 years, and then he died. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. After he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enoch lived 365 years. Enoch walked with God, and then he was no more, because God took him away. When Methuselah had lived 187 years, he became the father of Lamech. And after he became the father of Lamech, Methuselah lived 782 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Methuselah lived 969 years, and then he died. When Lamech had lived 182 years, he had a son. He named him Noah, and he said, He will comfort us in the labor and painful toil of our hands caused by the ground the Lord has cursed. After Noah was born, Lamech lived 595 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Lamech lived 777 years, and then he died. After Noah was 500 years old, he became the father of Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Amen. Shall we pray together? Our gracious Lord, Second uh, Timothy 3.16 tells us that all scripture is God-breathed and inspired by yourself. And believing that, we pray that this passage, which we've uh, read together, may be useful for teaching us, rebuking us, correcting us, 
and training us in righteousness so that as the people of God we may be thoroughly equipped for every good work and our prayer is offered in Jesus name Amen Okay well as Philip has correctly pointed out this is a a chapter that deals with genealogies as a matter of interest are any of you um, into your genealogy? Ruth, you are, and Bill, is it the same family or different sides of the family? Ruth, how far back have you got in uh, the Carsons? Great-grandfather. Okay, Bill, can you beat that? No. Okay. (laughs) How judicious you are as a husband. Okay, Elaine? Seventeen something. Okay, very good. And where did they originate from? Scotland. From Scotland. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's a very interesting thing. And once you start, it actually is a very compelling uh, thing. I've managed to trace back uh, seven generations of sellers to a William Seller, of whom I know nothing, and his son Robert Seller, who was a shipmaster in Peterhead born in 1772. Now, some people, it's a joy, and they really uh, get into it in a big way. Other people, it's just a big turn-off, and they've no interest whatsoever. Um, But uh, uh, the Bible is into genealogies um, in quite a big way, and there are lots of genealogies, both in the Old and in the New Testament. Here in Genesis, for example, Uh, We've looked at uh, Genesis 1 through to 4, and then we have uh, this genealogy, which is from Adam to Noah, and that's in chapter 5. Then next Sunday night, there's another body of narrative, and Drew will be helping us with chapter 6 through to 9. And then, funny enough, in chapter 10, there's a genealogy. And then there's another body of narrative in the early part of Genesis 11, followed by a genealogy, and that time it's from Noah to Abraham. Not all genealogies are the same. Um, For example, if you were to glance at Matthew's Gospel, chapter 1, that begins with Abraham. It leaves uh, where... Uh, Genesis uh, chapter 11 leaves off. So Matthew 1 starts with Abraham and follows in uh, 14 generations three times over until it comes to Jesus, who is the Christ. Whereas Luke's gospel, and this is interesting, uh, in Luke chapter 3, following Christ's baptism by John, starts with Jesus and works back as far as Abraham the Son of God. So you can imagine that that is there for a particular reason as well. Well, what about this genealogy uh, that uh, um, we've read from Genesis chapter 5? How are we to read it? There was a very famous Irish bishop by the name of James Usher. Uh, He was a very good man, by the way. He was one time Archbishop of Armagh, And calculating the dates that we have here and adding all the numbers up uh, in 1650, 
he deducted that the first day of creation fell upon the 23rd of October, 4004 BC. So is that how we're to interpret Genesis 5? I don't know if any of you, like me, have been enjoying recent history programs uh, pertaining to Henry VIII and his six wives. Well, Henry belonged to what was known as the House of Tudor, and that began in 1485 with Henry VII and concluded with Elizabeth I in 1603. The House of Tudor lasted for 118 years. It was preceded by the Plantagenets, and they were succeeded by the House of Stuart. Now, glance down at chapter 5, verse 6, and we see there, when Seth had lived 105 years, he became the father of Enosh. But look down at the footnote um, for B, and do you see what it says there? He became the father of, or father may mean ancestor of. So perhaps you could say, altogether, verse 8, the household of Seth survived for 912 years, or the household of Methuselah lasted for 969 years. Be that as it may, what is the purpose of these genealogies and why are they here? Well, maybe before we answer that question, uh, will we look at something else just first and we'll come back to that. I wonder if you noticed as Andy was reading uh, chapter 5, some recurring phrases or words that kept coming and being mentioned again. One of them was became the father of. Do you see that? Or if you're following the AV, the word is begat. So and so begat. Verse 6, Seth begat Enosh, or Seth begat the father of Enosh. So that's a recurring uh, phrase. Another one is, he died. Do you see that in verse 5, verse 8, verse 11, verse 14 and 17, verse 20, verse 27, and verse 31, monotonous regularity, he died, he died, he died. And then there's one other phrase I'd like us to notice, you see in verse 24, where it says, talking about Enoch, God took him away. All right? So first of all, he begat, or he became the father of, and that's something we read nine times. In verse 1, we are told when God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. And that's really very wonderful, isn't it? We've all been created in God's image. That's why humankind is so special, set apart from all the rest of the created order. Humankind has dignity because unique among all the animals we have been fashioned after the image of likeness of Father, Son, and Spirit. We are relational. We are creative. We are intelligent human beings. He created them, verse 2, male and female. He blessed them. 
In other words, God made humankind similar and yet different and blessed them. And when they were created, he called them man, Adam. Now that's really a reinstatement, isn't it, of Genesis 1 verse 27. Why do you think it's restated here? Well, do you remember last Sunday we had a very dark passage in chapter 4 where you remember the first son murdered the first brother. And after that despicable thing, we wonder if God will keep his original word to bless humankind. And here the answer is yes. In spite of the violence of Cain, And in spite of the recriminations of Lamech, do you see in chapter 4, verse 24, which is even more extreme, God remains faithful to his promise. And so here we can see that in spite of sin, God is not giving up on humankind. Although we are faithless, God remains faithful. And so because man was created similar yet different, together male and female, they are able to fulfill God's original mandate given in chapter 1, verse 28, to be fruitful and increase in number, to fill the earth and subdue it. But there's another reason, of course, why God remains faithful to his word, that humankind could reproduce and have children and keeps to his original promise. And that is because of Genesis 3, verse 15. One day the promise is that someone from the seed of Eve will come and be a serpent crusher. One day redemption will come from the sons of Adam. It's not Cain. It's certainly not Lamech. In fact, if anything, they seem to be uh, sons of the evil one, of the serpent But someday, because God remains faithful to his word, and because so-and-so became the father of somebody else, one day God will fulfill his promise that the snake would be crushed and evil would be overcome. So that's why the first word, begat, or became the father of, is of interest The second word is died. However long Seth lived, verse 6, or however long Seth's line survived, eventually, verse 8, he died. And however long Enosh lived, verse 9, and however many other sons and daughters he had, eventually, verse 11, he also died. So death is a sad fact of life. But it's actually more than that. Just as the last phrase was evidence of God keeping his word to Adam that redemption would one day come, so this too is also proof of God keeping his word given in chapter 2 verse 16 to Adam of judgment. Remember what he said, you must not eat the fruit of the tree of uh, Uh, good and evil, because when you eat of it, you will surely die. 
The wages of sin we know from Romans chapter 6 is death. And so death is the outward, the visible signs of an inward and spiritual state of separation from God. So this story, unlike a soft daddy making idle threats to his cute daughter, in this story, God means what he says. Man was not originally meant to die. Adam and Eve were originally meant to enjoy walking with God in paradise forever. However, that wasn't what happened. Humankind was supposed to experience life everlasting. But death is this brutal curse. It's a rotten interruption from what was meant to be. And it's still awful whether that happens to a 90-year-old or to a newly born infant. It's dreadful because it was never meant to be. So however long Kenan lived, you see in verse 12, eventually he died. And however long Jared lived, verse 2, he too died. I think it's of interest to note that just as a wee aside that while humankind lived for a very long time here in Genesis 5, albeit not forever, by the time we come to Genesis 11 after the flood, we're talking smaller numbers. So, for example, Shem in chapter 11, verse 11, only lived for a mere 500 years. And Peleg... Dear love him, he was only 209 years when he died. And Nahor, in chapter 11, verse 25, lived a measly 119. Until we come to Psalm 90, and it tells us, as for the days of our life, they contain 70 years, or if due to strength, 80. Yet their span is but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. It's almost as if as sin increases, so the span of life decreases. Reminding us, if we need to be reminded, Hebrews 9 verse 27, that after we die, there is judgment. And however much we might wish to repress that, and however much those we meet on a daily basis Uh, don't want to hear it. Life is brief. And after life, there is a serious consequence which follows these brief few years. Some of you have been recently to hear a talk uh, on the New England theologian of the 1700s called Jonathan Edwards. And he's much quoted and loved by John Piper and Timothy Keller. When he was just 19 years of age, uh, Jonathan Edwards uh, from America wrote a series of resolutions which he vowed to read over once a week. And these resolutions included living to God's glory and never doing anything physically or spiritually except what glorifies God. And the reason he wrote these uh, resolutions for himself was because Like here in Genesis, he was very aware of the brevity of life and the fact that he had only one life 
And so he determined never to waste one moment of it, but to seize every opportunity to use it in the most profitable way he possibly could. In his own words, he said, may I never do anything which I would be afraid to do if it were the last hour of my life. May I never do anything I'd be afraid to do if it was the last hour of my life. That's quite a thought, isn't it? Um, Sometimes people say, if you could live your life again, how would you live it? Well, whatever it is, and however long or short you have left, and none of us know that, why not seek to do that now? To live godly lives, to live grateful lives, to live generous lives. That would be a start as a resolution, wouldn't it? So after living X number of years, however long, we read in Genesis 5, he died. So that's the second striking term that we have here. So-and-so begat, that is, they became the father of, and then he died. And then thirdly and lastly, we have a phrase that is to be found in verse 24. Enoch walked with God, and then he was no more because God took him away. Now, as that was read to us, I wonder if you thought, hey, that's different. I wonder why it's here. Unlike many who, like Adam, walked away from God, Enoch walked with God. This man called Enoch did what humankind was intended to do. Do you remember God walked with Adam in the garden? God and humankind were intended to enjoy one another's company, to enjoy fellowship with each other, walking with God. And evidently, this man Enoch was in such beautiful and lovely relationship with God that it just seemed the most natural thing on earth that he would move from this sphere of time to the next. It was seamless. I'm not sure I fully understand that, but I love it. Here's this incredible, bright, shining gem in the middle of the black coal. Death will not win. Death doesn't have the last word. One day the seed of the woman will overcome death. And what we're promised in the proto-gospel in uh, Genesis 3 verse 15, uh, here we have just a little glimpse of the seed of the woman coming to bring redemption. We're allowed to peek behind the curtain to see what happens after the Lord Jesus. The new Adam would die on the cross, the innocent for the guilty, and open up eternal life. Do you remember one of the things, by the way, that happened after Jesus died on that Good Friday? 
as Jesus died our death, the graves opened. Who was it who said Christ came not so much to make bad people good, but to make dead people alive? When Jesus died on the cross, death was defeated. Eternal life was opened up for those who walk with the Lord. As in Adam all die, so in Christ will all be made alive. And that's why, of course, uh, there are verses in the Bible that encourages us, encourage us to do just that. Micah chapter 6, verse 8 he has showed you, O oh man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Or Ephesians 4 verse 1, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you, writes Paul to the Christians at Ephesus, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. So every one of us is encouraged to walk with the Lord in the light of his word. Okay, now we've not done too badly with Genesis 5, have we? Three standout phrases. Begat, died, Enoch walked with God, then he was no more because God took him away. Well, back to that question then, which we posed at the start. What's the purpose of this genealogy? Well, I think there are three great reasons, at least, why this genealogy is here. One, to remind us that history inextricably moves forward. It's not cyclical. It's linear. Time has a start. Time will have an end. We are only here for a period of time, and then judgment. But for those who are in Christ, then the judgment against sin and death and hell has been paid by Jesus. The second thing is to remind us, quite simply this, that God remembers names. Are you struck by the number of names here? Genesis 5 is full of names. Real people who were born, who lived, who died, or who were taken. How wonderful it is when we come to church and somebody remembers our name. But even more important, how significant that God has a book. The Lamb's Book of Life in which are contained the names of those who have been redeemed by Christ's precious blood. And the third reason for the genealogy, by his death on the cross, by his victory over death, Christ the snake crusher, Christ the new Adam makes available and opens up paradise, the new heavens, the new earth, where those who have been redeemed are able to continue to walk with God and enjoy his company forever. It's wonderful, isn't it? Really wonderful. And that's partially why we have the Lord's Supper. Because again, it's just a foretaste 
of what is yet to be. We're allowed to participate now in something that is anticipating what is yet to come. Shall we bless one another with the words of the grace? The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore.